0: This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. We are live on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, Logan Gordon, Aaron Vickers along with you. Back in a hockey rink again tonight, uh, Mr. Vickers. Just like last night. Just like last night. Expecting maybe not the same crowd that was at the Saddledome last night. Might be close. Might be. I don't know how many they can jam in here. See how uh, how many friends and family and fans we get out for the Wailers and the Lushes. That's where we're uh, getting set for. Here at the Windsport Event Center, Rank A, our annual beer league broadcast coming up a little bit later on this evening, and uh, the whole crew's here, we're getting set up, we're getting everything ready uh, to go, and uh, excited for what should be a fun matchup tonight.
1: Will this be your coaching debut? You're, are, you, are you directly behind the bench? Are you tapping guys on the shoulder, saying you're out next? Are you employing no, the strategy? I'm
0: going to do my best, I'm trying to think who still does rinkside reporting. Like Ray Ferraro between the benches.
1: Oh boy, that could That's be I'm Is going. there a is there a tape delay? Like, can they fix your curses? That's, and you're or I'm
0: gonna have to ask Matt uh, from engineering over there about that one. I'm gonna try. Now, my biggest concern is part of my role is gonna be grabbing guys like our celebrity referees Ooh. and Paul Cruz and Brent Cron. And you know, you have spent some time with Cron. It's it's not exactly a polished product. Wrangling cats. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna try to get some words in between the the deep breaths from skating around, so we're gonna. I'm going to try to jump over to both benches and get some, some live reaction from everybody today, and uh, we'll see how that goes. We're excited for this one, though. It is going to be my first time between the benches, though, so I'm setting up for a, a future career in, in television, and I'll be bugging coaches and everyone else as, uh, as the day goes on.
1: No better place to start than right no, here. No,
0: exactly. Um, let's talk about last night. Uh, you and me were both at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, for the Regina Pats and the Calgary Hitmen and we were joined by 17,223 of our closest friends and uh, media colleagues as the Connor Bedard show made its last trip through Calgary one of the biggest crowds, I believe a few people in the Regina Pats said that this was going to be the biggest crowd that Connor will have played in front of uh, until he makes an NHL debut Um, there was a lot of hype around this one last night Aaron and I, aside from what connor did and we'll talk about that in a moment the game itself had just about everything you could ask for in a 6-5 uh, shootout win for the regina pats
1: there's certainly no shortage of drama with the calgary hitmen taking an early lead basically controlling the play for you know ballpark at 50 minutes of this game and drastically outshooting the regina pats and then all of a sudden Connor Bedard emerged and made an appearance after what was probably a 35-minute or so, I don't want to say absence, because it was certainly noticeable out there in spurts, but when he really wanted to turn it on and try and turn the game on its side, well, then suddenly it became a tie game. Suddenly there was control in overtime with a power play that did they did not capitalize on but from a rock 'em, sock 'em, back and forth, old school, last goal wins kind of event last night, it was well worth the admission without Connor Bedard. Yeah. Putting Connor Bedard, the projected number one pick in the 2023 draft, as the cherry on top of that game, I can't imagine any of the 17,000 plus left dissatisfied with what they saw.
0: Uh, I was doing the Hitman pregame show here on Sportsnet 960, and one of the questions that I posed to our, our broadcast team last night with uh, Brad Krohn and Jeff Hollick was, and I don't know if you were interested in this or not, Vickers, but I was curious what the crowd was there to see last yeah. night. And I still kind of today am trying to figure out where the crowd was. There was obviously going to be a large amount of Hitman fans and people that were there to see the home team, but there was a lot of people there, Aaron, that I would just qualify as hockey fans. They were just there to see and cheer on great hockey moments, whether it was a a great save by Braden Peters in overtime on Connor Bedard on the penalty kill, or it was a great Bedard moment or a goal, because every goal got a reaction last night, not just the Bedard ones, not just the Bedard moments. It was just a a really good night for hockey fans, I'd say.
1: Well, there are 17,000-plus in the stands for the game against the Pats. The game prior at home for the Calgary Hitmen had about 4,300. Yeah. So you're talking about a 13,000-person <laughs> swing just because the Regina Pats just so happened to be in attendance. And, I mean, you could hear it in the rink. It, you could hear it before the game started when he bursts out of the tunnel into warm-up, and there's about seven or 8,000 fans already there. There's got to be about well, I don't know, I'm bad at estimating, but 1,500 to 2,500 plastered around the glass, just like you'd see for an NHL game. Literally over 100 signs, all with Connor's name on it, uh, varying from one thing or the other. It's funny talking to him post-game about it. I asked him, you know, do you take a peek at those signs? He goes well you don't because then you're obligated to give them something he wasn't he wasn't willing to trade a stick for a candy bar <laughs> there, last night yeah, i don't think there was a think. couple of those for Under, sure. understandably so when you're on a on a point streak like he is 35 games but right from the moment warm up hit right into the game every time he touched the puck there was either a gasp or you could sense some sort of audible sound where it's like okay what's he going to do here but at the same time, every time the Hitman scored, there was no shortage of cheers either. Mm-hmm. It was very much an interesting atmosphere with a crowd split between wanting to cheer on the hometown Hitman and wanting to see the number one pick in the 2023 draft for the last time you can at about $15 because it's not going to happen again in no. Calgary from here on out.
0: No, and it's not. it doesn't sound like it's going to be cheap anywhere he goes as the rest of the Western Hockey League world goes. And that was something, you know, the Western Hockey League broadcast brethren are really well connected. So... Curly, you know, has spent so many years as the voice Mm -hmm. of the Hitman. He knows all the guys, and he's been talking to, you know, the next couple stops for Bedard. And they're saying, We've been selling out tickets, you know, since night one that he threw on the Canada jersey, essentially, back uh, in December. We've been starting to sell out tickets for games. So this is something that he's going to have to get used to. It won't be on the scale that it was last night. But this is something that's gonna follow Connor Bedard the next few months for sure.
1: Well, and you mentioned it was Connor Bedard himself who figured that this was gonna be the largest crowd he's ever played in front of at over seventeen thousand two hundred. And I'm gonna steal Peter Labardius' line because <laughs> this was less a hockey game and more a rock star tour that Connor Bedard is embarking on. I love on how because he said
0: that but it just it fits so well. Yeah.
1: It's uh you're I mean, with all due respect to the Regina Pats, and it's a team scrapping to make the playoffs in the Western Hockey League's Eastern Conference. But it's Connor Bedard's show featuring the Regina Pats, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing terrible about that. Fans are coming out to see the product, which is great for the league, not just the Regina Pats, but every market that the Regina Pats go through. Lethbridge is going to be sold out. Brandon is sold out. Every road stop from here on out for the Regina Pats is going to be a pack barn. Great atmosphere for the kids, great atmosphere for Bedard, and great bottom line for the Western Hockey League.
0: Uh, before we we move on to some NHL teams that could certainly use uh, a Connor Bedard in their lineup going to next year, uh, you've gone down this road before. You used to do thing uh, FC hockey, I believe.
1: Yep, still spent, still going, still
0: yep. going stuff there. Put your your scouting hat on me on for a bit here, and, and kind of what impressed you so much in an in person viewing, and what stood out for you when you look at Connor Bedard's game that has him. At where he's been for so long because that's the one thing Lou always says too, and in this situation that can be so rare is the gap between one and two. And some years the gap is very small, and some years the gap is very big. And Connors made that gap pretty big, and that's between two or three really good young players behind him.
1: Yeah, with no disrespect for Adam Fantility at Michigan, or Matt Vamichkov in the KHL, Leo Carlson playing with men in the SHL in yeah. Sweden, Zachary Benson, who might have scored the goal of the night last night in the Western... ...over <laughs> the... ...from... I don't know, a foot and a half above the goal line, that wasn't... Zachary Benson had the goal of the night. Yeah, the he Western was like, Hockey hey,
0: the, I'll put me on the highlight reel here the, last
1: night. But the difference between Connor Bedard and the rest of those names may as well be a mile versus a foot between them individually because he's just far and away the, the best player in the 2023 class. It's not even close. Um, this is a generational talent. We're talking a McDavid. We're talking a Crosby. If all things go according to plan, that is... There's still development steps that need to be made. And seeing him last night, you saw the good and the, I want to say, to be perfectly honest, uh, the mediocre with Connor Bedard last night because that wasn't the best game I've seen him play. But when he wants to, and I, and I understand this because I saw a lot of it, to, to take you back, uh, I don't know, almost 20 years, seeing Ryan Getzlaff with the Hitman two years after he'd been drafted, I believe it was a lockout year, so he came back and played for the Hitman. Mm-hmm. Ryan Getzlaff wasn't lights out 60 minutes a night. There were long stretches where he would go invisible, and you're thinking, well, this is a first-round pick. This is a guy that's been in the league long enough. He should be making an impact every shift. No, sometimes sometimes the league just gets too far below your level where – okay, a teammate can't make a pass that you make in your sleep or, you know, the defenseman can't break it out to the point where you're used to, like, if you go back to the World Juniors, you're used to playing with the elite of the elite. elite. You can get frustrated a bit. You don't see anything body language-wise with Connor Bedard in that. He's not slamming his stick. He's not yelling at teammates. He's not doing any of that. But there were stretches in that game where he went really quiet for me, and you're watching him, and you're trying to see why. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that he couldn't get the puck in the positions he needed to, Mm. and that doesn't necessarily fall on the individual himself. But Regina's down late in the game, and suddenly the puck starts finding him more and more. He's creating more and more. He has the opportunities. The tying goal with, what was it, 33 seconds left in the game um, he didn't score it he got an assist on it but he basically he created thought the, he scored it. he did actually yeah he, he celebrated like he scored and you know what from up in the press box he had me convinced <laughs> exactly right yeah um and then of course in overtime he, he was lights out with commanding a four on three power play with uh, a long change for the calgary hitman and you just saw the the light switch and when he wanted to impose his will on the game he had no problems doing so he did it at such a high level that there's there's no questioning even the gap between him and the second best player in that game between Regina and Calgary last night, it was just lights out. You see the skating, you see the stick handle, you see the shot. There's just, and and again, he was out there on the penalty kill. So he was doing things like that. He was, I don't know what his faceoff percentage was, but I'm I'm guessing 90. It felt like every time I looked out and he was taking a draw, clean win back so he was touching all elements of the game it wasn't just uh I'm gonna hang out the far blue line I'm gonna date myself again hang out the far blue line like Pavel Brendel used to <laughs> yeah. back in the mid to late 90s for the Calgary I'm only 40 so I'm not that old when I'm tossing <laughs> no, out so these some references are yeah. 20 to 30 years old
0: it <laughs> yeah, gets left we got Brendel okay yeah, that's a little bit yeah, more of a stretch a little, bit, a little bit longer but, yeah but
1: Connor Bedard just touches so many elements of the game at at such a high level that he's put himself into a position where If he runs the table from here on out with his point streak, he's at 35 games right now where he's got 44 goals, 46 assists for 100 points. He can tie the Western Hockey League record, and I'll be so curious to see if he gets there. And I asked him about it yesterday morning, and, of course, he scores 13 minutes in, so I'm like so glad I didn't jinx you by asking about (laughs) the streak. But he can tie the Western Hockey League record of 56 games set by Jeff Nelson in 1990-91. I don't have that reference off the top okay, of my head. Okay, had good. to ask some good people that at the makes, Western Hockey League happy. for it. Yeah. Haven't been around that long. <laughs> the funny thing to me about this streak, though, is it's lasted every game he's played in the Western Hockey League this season except for Game 1. So he was the first game away and he had 10 shots in that game. <laughs> came away with no points. Of course. But I think it would just like hilarious not hilarious like rolling on the floor laughing but hilarious ha ha yeah he manages to run the table here the rest of the way in the western hockey league and the one he missed except for that one yeah so
0: wouldn't it work out that way for me
1: we saw everything that makes Connor bedard a potential number one pick in the draft i don't know where you stand on it but for me he was impressive
0: he was he was everything that you hoped he would be in those moments and you know i i feel for a guy like Braden peter because what do you how do you feel in that moment in the shootout where you're sitting there going, it's me versus this guy, and this guy is, you know, he must have every move in the book ready. And I don't even think Connor Bedard got the exact no, move off that he, he wanted. Didn't. And he still found a way to, to have it go in. You're, and that's why I think Brayden Peters was so frustrated at himself because he knew Bedard didn't get the move off, and he still winds up scoring. Yeah, he was dynamic. The shot was a- as good in person as I hoped it would be. And uh, that kind of leads us into our next topic after a a live in-person viewing of him. And no doubt when the game is nationally broadcast and in front of so many people, Aaron, you know, not only were us in the media and fans watching, but scouts for a number of NHL teams had their eyes glued to the screen last night following number 98 around. So we're going to ask this question to ourselves and, of course, to the text line 960 960, you can send us in your responses here as well. But it led me to think which team right now that's in the running for this, Aaron, needs Connor Bedard the most? Where do you want to see Connor Bedard end up? And now uh, we'll preface this by saying yes, obviously, your favorite team. You would want to see Connor Bedard there. We're the home of the Flames, and I get if you and say, "God, the Flames could sh-. yes, the Flames absolutely." There are thirty-two <laughs> teams that could, could use, use Connor Bedard. Everybody could, but let's you know, let's really dial it down to those teams that are really in the running for this right now. And when you zero it in, and when I ask you that question, what team comes to mind for you?
1: Just looking at the NHL standings right now, there are. Four teams and a fifth that are just on the bubble of a 400 or worse points percentage this season. So there's no shortage of suitors that could use him in alignment. And I can almost make an argument for things I'd want to see for all of them. I, this might rile up the text line a little bit, but you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, currently 32nd in the NHL, and you go, we saw the shot. Yeah. And they've got a guy there that can shoot in Patrick Laine. But to me, you just wonder a little bit when he enters the NHL next season it's not an if it's certainly a when Connor Bedard enters the NHL next season you wonder what he'd be capable of if you have a Johnny Goudreau saucing him cross ice passes or opening up some space so Bedard can move more into the middle where he gets off that trademark shot so Columbus is one then I look at Chicago and go well at the trade deadline Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves decide that it's time to part ways and they want to be members of contenders and they want to make pushes for the Stanley Cup well then all of a sudden the next phase of that franchise is real set up a passing, on the of, the passing moment, of the torch right? yep.
0: Chicago could happen yeah
1: and then you look at the Anaheim Ducks who are 30th with only 16 wins this season and you go okay what if you started the young core you've got a lot of good pieces there that are under the age of 23 with Troy Terry and uh, Trevor Zegris and Mason McTavish, and the defenseman whose name is escaping me, but started for the World Juniors a couple of years ago. I mean, there's such a nucleus there. Transfer over to the Arizona Coyotes, and you just think, what could that do for the franchise as a whole if he becomes what everybody in the hockey world thinks he can become? Mm-hmm. He could literally build that organization a new rink on his back with just his name alone and what he can bring from a marketing standpoint, from a civic pride standpoint, and then you've got a case of the Montreal Canadiens. Are you know they're not that far out. They're two, four, six last in the league. Yep. There is not a spotlight that is too bright for Connor Bedard to play in. I think he could flourish with the Montreal Canadiens going to an original six team that's been sputtering but had the first overall pick last year. Suddenly you pair him with. Uh, a bunch of the young players that they've got with Caulfield, Suzuki, Slavkovsky, and you've got a really intriguing nucleus there. And then if I really, really, really want to get the text line going, what a storyline it would be if the kid from North Vancouver oh. got to play for the Canucks. And there's not a chance there isn't a photo of him somewhere along the way as a seven or eight year old in a Vancouver Canucks jersey the John Tavares pajamas, you name it, that photo has got to exist. There's just a so. Dean
0: jersey or two for sure in Conor Bedard's home in vc there has to be well, right i like, think he just... said
1: i think he said the top prospects game because it was Sidine versus Sidine behind the bench yeah so he was starstruck a little bit and being coached by a Sidine. so there's that element as well of the text line at 960 960 is gonna rake me over the coals <laughs> for even mentioning the vancouver canucks we haven't done that enough this week with bolo no. orvat and the host of canucks that are gonna get ushered out of the city before the trade deadline But to me, there's not one definitive answer where I'm like, oh, man, imagine if he went there. I could see it almost across the board. The only one I really couldn't make uh, a a parallel to was the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. Um, That one I don't see a natural excitement for, but guaranteed that market lands him. They'll find a way to make things exciting.
0: Yeah. As a number of people have pointed out on the text line, and it's kind of where I'm leaning to as well, I'd love to see Connor Bedard join in a young nucleus and when you say Anaheim to me or you say Montreal and I think of some of the young prospects and you know Kirby Doc in Montreal and Cole Caulfield and uh all the things that they're building there I'd love to see him jump into a scenario like that even Arizona right we don't yep. talk about the Arizona yep. prospects enough but he played with Dylan Gunther at the latest world junior championships and wouldn't it be something for them to reunite in Arizona and be that next wave uh, of talent that really would bring, I think, that organization to a height, maybe Aaron and excitement level that it's maybe never had, right? Yeah, the kind of 100%. build up that they've they've got with those kind of young guys. So for me, that's kind of where I lean. I'm with you. Vancouver's a really cool story to me because of where he's from, and no doubt where you know it would take the, the hype level around that organization. But I, I don't, and I guess you know Pedersen and Hughes certainly don't qualify as old by any means but I just I don't know that with everything going on there and all the change that needs to happen, if that's an ideal landing spot mm-hmm. for him right now. Um, you know, I could see, and they're a bit further out of it than any other team that we've had in this conversation, but, you know, as the young fan last night of the sign said, you know, wouldn't it be a boost for the Philadelphia Flyers who had a swing and a miss on Nolan Patrick? And, you know, not to not to either party's fault in right, that one, by right. the way, because injuries. of a, a lot of serious injuries, and Nolan Patrick's health comes first before talking about bust and anything like that. But, you know, when you pick that high and you miss, it hurts, right? It really does a number on your development group as a, as a whole and how you bring up young prospects. Wouldn't it be something for Philadelphia to have a, a superstar to roll with now that Claude Giroux is, is in Ottawa You know, Sean Couturier is getting a little longer in the tooth. I wonder about you know some opportunities like that as well.
1: It was uh, Jamie Drysdale in Anaheim was the defenseman. Thanks to Texter. Yes, and that's a great five-one.
0: Yeah, and that's a great one too because you talk about you know uh, Zegris has been mentioned a few times there. They've got a defenseman there now, right? You've got a good young core in Anaheim for sure for him to jump into.
1: There's one Texter goes anywhere but the Pacific Division. (laughs) I understand that there is a large. Level of Connor McDavid fatigue in Calgary, yes, particularly after the playoffs last spring. For me, I would love to have him in the Pacific Division. Now, again, I'm not trying to win a Stanley Cup. I'm not trying to raise banners. I'm trying to be entertained by what I see on the ice. If you have a division that has Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard, yeah, your chances of winning and coming out of the Western Conference probably diminish. But why wouldn't you want the talent, the elite talent of the NHL? right in front of you, almost night in, night out, so easily accessible either to watch on TV or watch in person. For me, I would love the Pacific Division.
0: Yeah, I think that's one that would be extremely interesting and would bring a a new level of hype because we always talked about, you know, for so many years when they first entered the league, Aaron, we talked about, you know, every time that Sid versus Ovi came together, it was a a made-for-TV matchup. Wouldn't Connor versus Connor? sort of do that same thing in the pacific division for a, a number of years while connor's you know connor mcdavid is, is ascending the the point scoring race and connor bedard tries to put himself in that same conversation i think a lot of people would be like that
1: this might put a bow on the entire conversation but one of the signs at the saddle dome last night you're the best hockey playing connor in the world <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've had a feeling there's going to be a couple. I think I think if he doesn't go to a Pacific Division team, I, I think for sure Connor Bedard is going to be a more popular Connor than the, the other one in Edmonton, at least here in Calgary. Absolutely. So, uh, quickly run through some of these texts before we get out of here on this segment. Um, uh, last night, uh, one of the texters came in and said, "We saw third row last night. Connor Bedard. He's the next one. I'd like to see him go to the Ducks or the Jackets." Uh, this one, another vote for Anaheim, just because him and Z would be fun duo to watch. That, of course, Trevor Ziegres. And we talked about this one too. There's a couple of votes for Chicago, and this one saying, you know, uh, Connor Bedard, Patrick can uh, play, Patrick Kane. That is, can play out the remaining years there, and uh, you know, sort of learn from a future Hall of yep. Famer. And like we've talked about, and it's going to be a topic leading up to the trade deadline. Patrick Kane doesn't have to go anywhere if he doesn't really want to he's won his Stanley Cups, he's cemented a legacy in Chicago, as much as you might like to get an asset for him, Vickers, maybe Patrick Kane says, I'm just okay being a Chicago Blackhawk, and if Connor Bedard does come in, maybe he sits there and says, yeah, I'd love to take that mentorship role on.
1: There's nothing saying that he can't say, give me a shot this year, and I'll see you next September either, and come back and sign with the organization as a quick uh, detour, I don't even know what you would call that, just... Help his team yeah. get as many assets as possible, and then just rejoin that team next September.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Uh, thanks for the text at the uh, fan feedback line nine six zero nine six zero. We're gonna take a break. Come back on the other side. We're kicking off hour two uh, on looking back on a special day in Flames history. Um, a player that had a couple stints here in Calgary was traded on this day. Uh, a couple years ago, Aaron, and we're going to look back on some of his legacy here uh, with the Calgary Flames, and uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about what we're doing here at the uh, Beer League broadcast as we're coming at you live from the uh, Mark McPhail Arena at the Windsport Events Center. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is our 2 of Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers along with you this afternoon. We are here at the Winsport Event Center. Getting closer to puck drop on our annual Sportsnet 960 Beer League broadcast. The Wailers and the Lushes coming your way on our airwaves in just a couple hours' time. The Sportsnet Towels are out I'm seeing more faces that I work with moment by moment, which is strange. You know, like post-COVID, you still kind of have those moments where everyone comes together in a social setting, and you're like, this is really weird. I'm having one of those days right now, Aaron. You're also
1: seeing some probably not so recognizable faces poking their head in, either trying to figure out <laughs> what's exactly going on or... Perhaps they're surveying the ice, getting mentally prepared to do battle on the 200 by 85. Although to me, is this the international size? I think it it is. So there's going to be a little extra skating. I hope they factor that in in warm-ups I
0: I don't know if we uh, properly. I hope everyone signed the waivers. That's all I got to say. Because I don't know if our two teams are fitness tested for this or not, but we're going to find out, and you can find out uh, along with us. You can come down to Windsport if you'd like. Meet the whole Sportsnet 960 crew. Uh, We're going to be here all night doing different things. You can listen to the broadcast, of course, live on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. uh, Coming up a little bit later, but uh, we'll uh, get to uh, our next topic of conversation here in just a moment. But I wanted to go back uh, to the text line quickly and we continue our Connor Bedard conversation, Aaron. And you mentioned a couple. There were a couple really good texts that we just we just ran out of time with last segment that we wanted to get to. We were obviously going over the memories yesterday of Connor Bedard and. Uh, his matchup against the Calgary Hitmen at the Scotiabank Saddledome last night, and talking where we would like to see him, where would we want to see Connor Bedard land? What team could most use Connor Bedard in this situation? And you know, a couple Pacific Division teams are in that mix there. And uh, as you brought up, one texter brought up a really good point uh, about if he does go to one of those Pacific Division teams,
1: people who want Bedard in the Pacific Division. Perfectly calling me out by the way. Yeah, but right. I, I did yep, say that. That's
0: us, yeah. Probably don't
1: pay for season tickets and <laughs> guilty as charged. So it's easy for me to say, yeah, roll this guy through Calgary two, three times a year and have the Flames play him four, five, six, seven, depending on what they do with the uh, intra division schedule moving forward from next season and beyond. But yeah, a little biased in the fact that <laughs> I I want all the stars Coming through Calgary every single night because, just from an entertainment standpoint and just from a wow factor, I mean, it, I, I can't get enough of Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard, Austin Matthews. It's a travesty. We don't get to see Sidney Crosby near as much as we need or mm-hmm. should. Alex Ovechkin, the list goes on and on. Um, bring me all the stars, line them all up in the Pacific Division. You know what? Really just shrink the league to eight teams, have them all just play the Pacific Division, and bring them all through Calgary. That's, that's all I'm asking.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's always it's funny because there's always that juxtaposition between what a media person, what we want to see on a day-to-day basis compared to yeah. you know what listeners and fans want to yeah. see. And I can totally understand why if you're a Flames fan, you sit there and you go, look, I've got 97 coming through yeah. here, enough during the year. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby and <laughs> you know dare you to to put another 90 something in the arena every couple of nights because uh, that would be just terrifying and I can understand if you if you felt that way. But on the other side of it, I sit there and I go, you know if I'm a hockey fan and I want to see these guys, you're right, what if it is you know, one of those teams that comes through? once a year
1: eastern conference
0: right and it's so frustrating because you sit there and you go i I so look forward to that one matchup because it is going to be the one chance i have this year to see them in person
1: at the same time could you imagine on a thursday night welcoming the edmonton oilers and connor mcdavid and then on saturday night hosting the vancouver canucks and connor bedard like that would certainly i don't know if needle you is the right word but i can understand <laughs> the angst from the flames fan base should that be something that could and you know what it could yes like i mean it still takes a dramatic uh percentage wise you need the lottery balls to fall exactly the right way but it can happen it could, it could be a reality and for me yeah bring me all the connors
0: yeah, <laughs> fans,
1: get rid of all the Connors. Yeah. I understand the plight.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're looking for some high success rates for your uh, future uh, children, uh, and you want to get them into hockey, make sure they're named Connor. Uh, that's apparently going to help one. you. That's number one. And uh, yeah, just do out of the world hockey things and we'll somehow develop a hockey sense that is out of this world.
1: Just make them become an exceptional player in yeah. the Canadian
0: Hockey League, and away you go. Easy enough. Really easy enough. Um, just a couple of other texts here before we move on because we just, just ran out of time, there were so many good things about that conversation that we were having last segment and I wanted to get to some of these as well, uh, this one made me laugh, uh, Bedard to Arizona perfect timing for him and Matthews yep. Austin Matthews uh, to light it up in the desert at that new rink in three years time, yeah that would be a frightening proposition, uh, I have no idea the legitimacy of, uh, of Austin Matthews leaving the Toronto Maple Leafs, Aaron, or that he would Um, desire to go back to his home state in Arizona to play for the Coyotes I don't know about any of that but if you want to play in that realm and talk about uh, things that would be a whole lot of fun to see you can certainly line me up for that possibility yeah it'd
1: be interesting I wonder if that's a fair compromise between what I'm asking and what Calgary Flames fans are asking too because if you move them over to the central You'll still see them frequent You'll enough, still
0: see him. just not have yeah. it on your TV station yeah. day in, day out. That might be okay. I think Flames fans would be okay. And how about this? How about this pairing? I like this a lot. And they're probably not supposed to be in this conversation, but they they could be if the second half of the season goes like it did in the first half. How about a pairing of Connor Bedard and Ryan Reynolds
1: for oh. the Ottawa Senators'
0: future? I mean jokingly that's you know we can joke about it but actually if you talked about boosting a franchise up that's one way to do it if you're the Ottawa Senators
1: they if all things go according to plan with Connor Bedard he still needs to live up to the hype live up to the expectation there's no reason to suggest that he won't but he could become one of the NHL's most marketable players if not the most we've seen what we've seen it happen with Connor McDavid Connor Bedard's going down a similar path but you mix the most marketable player with the most marketable owner, and I don't see how the Ottawa Center's franchise valuation doesn't skyrocket. I don't see how they don't become one of the most quote-unquote powerful teams in the NHL if you mix Connor Bedard and
0: Deadpool together. <laughs> yeah, I think all of a sudden you start talking about, hey... When you come to Ottawa, it's a nice long extension. There's a part movie deal in there. You can be Deadpool's sidekick for the next couple of Certainly years. Certainly a cameo, right? Exactly. Like... you got to think that it's going to happen somewhere. Like Ryan Reynolds is going to make that happen for sure. Uh, so, th- again, thanks to all the texters at 960960 for throwing those in there. We had too many to get to in the last segment. We had to bring some of it over to kick off Hour 2. Uh, but this segment, Aaron, I wanted to bring up uh, a very familiar name to Flames fans. Uh, Because earlier this week, we talked about the anniversary of a separate Flames trade that made a lot of noise. And that was, of course, the infamous Dion Phaneuf for Matt Stajan swap. But also in 2010 and 13 years ago, to this day, in February, the Flames made another trade. Not as consequential nearly as what Phaneuf for Stajan would wind up being. But it was interesting to look back at the time where they traded Oli Jokinen and Brandon Press to the New York Rangers in exchange for Alish Kodalik and Chris Higgins, and this was another stint for Oli Jokinen in Calgary. Uh, if you would remember correctly, after that trade, uh, he would spend just uh, 26 games with the New York Rangers. They wouldn't make the playoffs. He would come back to the Flames. The very next year, and play two more seasons in the uh, the red of the Calgary Flames. What do you think of when you look back at the tenure of Oli Jokinen and everything that happened during his time in Calgary?
1: There are two things that come to mind when the name Oli Jokinen is mentioned. The first six playoff games he played over 1,200 games in the NHL in the regular season. Only had six playoff games on his resume. Those were with the Calgary Flames in 2008, 2009. So that's step one for me. Step two, when you said, hey, let's talk about this, my mind immediately went to February 4th, 2012, which is almost to the day 11 years ago when he was mired in a 15-game scoreless drought and scored in Calgary's 3-1 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. Why did he score? Because he went to the well. He had a <laughs> terrible, terrible goal drought with the Phoenix Coyotes. Wayne Gretzky was his coach. Gretz, the Is great re- one. Remember those times, eh? Yeah, hey? Said, hey, you need to lighten up a bit. You're taking yourself too seriously. Go have a Big Mac. <laughs> he went, he ate a Big Mac and scored. So when he was slumping through the first month and a bit of the 2011-12 season, he went, had a burger, Came back, scored, and, and and the quote that just sticks in my head, it's the first thing I think of with Ole Jokinen. if the great one tells you to go have a burger, you better go do it, you know? <laughs> sure enough, it worked, and apologies to Ole Jokinen, you played over 1,200 games in the NHL. <laughs> I mean, that in itself is an impressive feat, yes. and I don't mean to min- quote not, no. Wayne Gretzky about eating a Big Mac, but I- I'm sorry, that's what comes to mind when I think of Ole Jokinen.
0: I have a couple, uh, and if you have some on the text line, 960960, feel free to share them with us as we look back the 13-year anniversary of the Flames' uh, second trade involving Ole Okunin. Of course, they had the one that brought him to Calgary in 2009. That one was uh, Matthew Lombardi, Brandon Prust again, and a first-round pick uh, in exchange for Ole Okunin. So this was the second trade. Uh, involving the Flames and Jokinen, This time they were trading him away to the New York Rangers. Um, so if you've got some Jokinen memories, feel free to throw them in there. I've got a couple things that come to mind when I think of Ole Jokinen. I remember the excitement when the trade went down and everyone talking about Jerome McGinley yeah. potentially having the number one center that he's craved for so long in Calgary. I also I remember, I think the, I want to say the first game or close to it was in Philly. And he scored in that game, and everyone was like, "This is, this is it. Like this guy is coming here to play, and this is going to be the biggest trade for the Flames, and it's going to make all the difference." And he had some good moments in Calgary, but I don't, I don't think it ever became what the team wanted it to be and hoped it, it could be with that sort of uh, acquisition. But I have, I have two stories that I come to mind. Uh, Pat's not here to tell this one, but he tells it all the time um, that he was in a media scrum one day and and uh, just around trade deadline, and Ole jokingly came up to Pat and said, hey, Pat, we've traded you to the Calgary Hitman. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) And Pat still to this day says, I have no idea how do I ever react to that sort of thing from Ole coming by and telling us around trade deadline that the Flames have traded him uh, to the Calgary Hitman. And uh, I have a a personal story from a friend who was in – Arizona the same summer that Ole Yoken had re-signed with the Flames following this trade to New York and uh, my friend was trying to be polite you know it was a Flames fan so was going to say hi to Ole Yoken, say, hey I'm so glad that you're back in Calgary you know be excited to come back and Oli replied with uh, a very stern face and said if I didn't like the contract I wouldn't have signed it just deadpan? just deadpan I was like oh alright I mean that's incredible that's it's pretty it's I mean, it's a straight-up answer, and I can't blame him, right? And I know, you know, fan-player interactions and personal time and all that can be a can be a tough one for people to to navigate. It can be a weird juxtaposition between everybody, but. Uh, I thought that was so funny. My friend brings it up all the time. that his, his favorite Ole Oakenhead moment was him asking him, "Excited to be back in Calgary?" And he just says, "Yeah." If I didn't like the contract, I I wouldn't have signed it.
1: Well, he so, had that dry finish humor because he even when he
0: absolutely was, did,
1: even when he was talking about the burger and Gretzky, he he deadpanned that too. I don't remember him, you know, giggling in the corner, being like, "Oh, I got a one liner. I got a zinger for the media today." <laughs> it was uh, a very much a, a monotone. When the great one tells you to eat a Big Mac, you eat a Big Mac. It was, Big was so, that's the worst Finnish accent in the history
0: of time. <laughs> I apologize to all it's our Finnish yeah, listeners. Just, yeah, it's just like a European villain. That's yeah. kind of what it sounds yeah. like, but well,
1: that's fair. I mean, that fits my motif a little yeah, bit, European kinda, villain. My, the brand. jeans are a little tight today, so <laughs> I think I can get away with it. Um, yeah. On the text line, and I completely, I don't want to say I forgot about this, because I recognize it as soon as this text texted text in, The Oli Jokinen
0: waffle meme. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. That's That's an internet legend one.
1: The only thing for me that stacks up to it in terms of Calgary Flames lore is, correct me if I get the name wrong, please, but was it Henrik Carlson with the hot dog with the mustard and ketchup?
0: Oh, I The think Calgary Towers. Yes, I think it was. After
1: a shootout, he makes a save, and then somebody, you know, he does the old fist pump back and forth, and somebody, somebody,
0: <laughs> somebody puts somebody, in a hot dog and a mustard bottle.
1: A <laughs> text line nine sixty nine sixty. Please tell me I got that right, because those are the two uh, Calgary Flames ish references in terms of memes and gifs that always get me when I see them.
0: This one's brought up a lot. It's brought up on the text line again here. The the spray painting of the gloves was always an Ole Okunin feature. He had these, I don't know what it was, if it was a, a sponsorship thing, he just didn't want to have the brands on his glove, but he always spray painted his gloves black. And if you were downstairs in the Scotiabank Soundroom and you heard, you smelled that whiff of, of spray can paint, you knew that Ole Okunin was likely uh spray painting his gloves I don't
1: remember if that was a sponsorship thing like it very well might have been because you have to Yeah, I can't remember which one it was either yeah but uh, part of me wants to think that he had navy blue gloves with the Florida Panthers that he just adored but you couldn't really wear navy blue gloves with the Calgary Flames black and red (laughs) so I wonder if he took a couple spray cans because he didn't want to lose the gloves and tried his best to make them black
0: uh, a couple more texts at 960. Uh, somebody thinks that it was uh, actually Reto Berra on the hot dog. Could have been. Carlson. So it could have very well been. It could have been Reto. We're not talking about guys that have a lot of wins, so it shouldn't be all that hard to, to figure out which one it was. Uh, this one says I remember an Ovi Jokinen versus Francois Beauchemin fight, November 14th, 2009. He got pounded, but at least he got into a fight. Uh, yeah, in terms of. Guys that I wouldn't want to fight. Period. Francois Beauchemin is yeah. up there. I would. Uh, good for Ole. Like Oli had size to him. Vickers, like he was what? Hockey DB has him at 6'3", 215 Um. And you know, again, I don't know when that was, but I mean, he was wasn't a small guy for his own right, and that was a uh, a mass. I wouldn't fight Francois Beauchemin at all. I can see that one being a I an mean, absolute. I'm gonna be honest. Beating. I'm probably not dropping gloves with too many. Asian.
1: There's some where I'm like. Oh, you know what? Might have a chance. Yeah. Francois Boucherman?
0: Yeah. So and wasn't
1: no. he a, was he a southpaw too when he
0: fought? Am he, I misremembering no, that? No, he might have been. He either was way, either me. way, left, left or right. No, nope. Don't need it. Yeah, if you can beat me with both hands, <laughs> I'm not fighting you. If like, that's if, if that's gonna, if that's what's going to happen, I'm not going to get my ass kicked with your left and your right. So, uh, yeah, it's, you're right. It's like it's like uh, maybe I could take Derek Broussard. Like that's kind of where I think I'm at is maybe. Like Derek Broussard, but that's like on a bad day for Derek Broussard.
1: I remember Francois Beauchemin being quite a good interview, very cordial, very uh, welcoming with his time. So I can imagine a scenario where if we had to set this up, as a gentleman, he would voluntarily tie one arm behind his back and still, you know... Lay the boots on it. Yeah.
0: So, again, uh, looking back again, the 13-year anniversary now. I can't believe it's been 13 years. uh, The Flames dumped off Ole Jokinen and Brandon Prest uh, for Alish Kodalik and Chris Higgins. And to the other side of that, away from the Jokinen side of things, I remember the tire fire disaster that Alish Kodalik was as a member of the Calgary Flames. And I remember the vitriol that people had for him. Cause he was one of those guys that was, I think had Uber talented. He had a really good shot and you could tell that there was skill, but I just never know if there was ever that, that drive from him. And I remember flames fans just being like, get this guy out of town. I have had enough of Alish Kotalik in flames colors.
1: Well, 2009-2010 he plays 26 games has five points that's that's a lot 2010-2011 he played 26 games improved to six points the added point a goal so okay, there well, you that's go. good. Yeah. trending in the right direction then 22, ga- 22 points pardon me in 25 games with the Abbotsford heat hmm. same organization wrong way and then he was never seen from again yeah. in North American hockey
0: yeah, because I'm trying to, and I'm going to look back now, he had a couple He had a couple good years with Buffalo. Yeah, you know, he scored 25. A 62-point year in Buffalo, and I, I forgot he was an oiler, I'm not going to lie, uh, for 19 games in uh, 08-09, that he signed with the Rangers as part of the opening trade, has a couple years, like you said, in the Flames organization that were just lackluster mm-hmm. and is gone. Now, on the other side, too, Chris Higgins was an interesting piece for the Calgary Flames for a bit there. Um, most remembered him from being a very productive member uh, of the Vancouver Canucks post his Flames career. But he was a hab to start. Well, he
1: was a three-time 20-goal
0: scorer with this. hab. Yes, abs. yeah. He was, he was a sniper. He was yeah. one of those guys, that if I remember correctly, I feel like Chris Higgins was one of those guys that always played well against the Flames. There's was like Mason Raymond-esque. There was just something about... Playing against the Calgary Flames, that that happened and, and went really well for them. And yeah, Chris Higgins plays all of twelve games as a Calgary Flame. He puts up three. Like, what a! And look, Jokinen had fallen off a bit in his time as the Flame. It wasn't exactly a massive return in that sense. But man, you look back at that now, Higgins and leak and you got absolutely nothing if you're the Calgary Flames.
1: Yeah, I mean. From an asset management standpoint, not ideal. But, again, you, you did get Ole Jokin in on two separate stints, so maybe that eases the pain a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he came back, right? But so
0: you tried to get something. and Maybe that's the Patrick Kane route. Maybe. Leave, come See, back. Exactly. There we go. Connor Bedard
1: confirmed to the Chicago Blackhawks.
0: <laughs> we've just determined now. Breaking news. Uh, and one more texter actually says, I'm looking at the meme right now, 35 Carlson. So Whoa. you were right. You did have the hot dog meme correct. As the Calgary Tower, Henrik Carlson. I believe as we speak of obscure flames with not exactly wonderful stats.
1: I do believe this is 400 meters around. Should I just take a victory lap? I think lap you should. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Yeah. and then you've just got it from here on out. Yeah, we're gonna, gonna think, yeah, we'll crawl a, into a yeah, We'll take a break die. here,
0: and uh, we'll see how long it takes Aaron to uh, take his victory lap. Uh, here at Winsport. Uh, We'll come back. We do have one more segment to get to. We're going to look at some trade uh, targets around the league, including one up the road in Edmonton, as one of our NHL insiders say, uh, that uh, an Edmonton oiler is probably in his final days in the blue and orange ahead of this year's trade deadline. We'll talk about that. Maybe a potential fit, with the Calgary Flames, at least if you look on Twitter, there's a potential fit. We'll see if uh, if Aaron agrees with that or not. When we come back on Sportsnet today, here on Sportsnet 960,